Hello and welcome to episode 152 of TLDR Podcast. You guys remember about two weeks ago, two episodes ago, Trayden was like, I'll be back next week. And he's not. So now I have trust issues and it's all Trayden's fault. Come on, Trayden, where are you at, bro? Trayden. <laughs> in all honesty, Trayden is not here because Trayden is in Canada doing Canada things, eating poutine, going around skating and watching hockey. You know, all the things in Canada and maple syrup. Uh, but before we get into the episode itself, check in with the guys, because they had a pretty eventful week. Like Alex, for example, turned 42 last week. So happy belated birthday, Alex. How was your birthday? How was your week? Thank you. I did uh, not turn 42. I did turn the big 3-0. So I officially can't be an NFL running back anymore, which is, I was so close, mm, you know, just right it. there. On the cusp. On the cusp. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Had a good weekend. Some friends came to visit. Actually legitimately played some golf it was top golf and by top golf i mean fake top golf because it was just at like a local course that has a top golf that uh kind of worked um like it didn't like the system did not work as well as legitimate top golf like it felt like a lot of the things did not register when you hit the ball <laughs> uh, but we had a great time and then went to a barcade and um my buddy um, Tyler knows him. His name is Mr. Casey Benson. Just gave me like $20 worth of coins, which filled <laughs> up like an entire cup. And I just played like 1984 NBA Jam or whatever the hell it was called for like two hours. And it was great. Did you win? Uh, no, it went into overtime and I lost. My buddy picked the Rockets, so I couldn't pick the Lakers. Um, and I picked the Celtics and like, I don't just cause, and it, I did not win, but I did win the actual like little arcade basketball shoot, shoot game, whatever you call those ones. Like, <laughs> like the, the basketball, basketball like, like the one where you physically shoot, shoot it. Yeah. Like not a video game. The one where there, you know, the gate opens, it falls down and you shoot it into the hoop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The one that requires actual skill. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Much better. Nice. That one I did. Win. I'm Good. glad you wanted that one instead. Thank you. Uh, Tyler had a week off kind of last week and he golfed. So just like Alex, he also golfed, did not do as well because I was there and I beat him. But Tyler, how was it, man? How was your week off? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It's been nice to kind of wind down a little bit. Um, and kind of, yeah, I get to spend more time with friends, more, more, more time with family, get to golf, which, you know, isn't something I can do most time of the year. So I got to take advantage of that. Um, started out pretty bad front, the front nine as James was there. It was like, I think the first one I, I parred. And then the next one I quadruple bogeyed. So that was kind of how the front nine went. It was very inconsistent and frustrating. The back nine was a lot better. Kind of started getting the groove. I don't think I got worse than a bogey in, in, on the back nine. So finished strong, did did pretty well. I think my last putt was like a 40 foot putt that I sank. So that, so that was pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, it was always a good time uh, golfing and drinking and having a good time. So hopefully, hopefully we can do that more times. Yeah, hopefully more summertime equals more golf time. But also... Tyler's getting married in a couple months, so that's really exciting too. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's our updates. That's our life. So we're going to get into the episode now, and Trayden's still not here, but we're going to go right into it. NBA first. We're going to start with the NBA and Alex. Uh, the Denver Nuggets won against Miami Heat last night, and so they're officially NBA champions, and the NBA season is officially over. So congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. I lost money, but Alex, it's all you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think Traden is not here out of pure embarrassment for riding off the Denver Nuggets all season. If nope. you have listened to this podcast at all this season, Traden was not a Nuggets guy. 
Um, well, they won the championship, so Traden decided not to show up this episode. Not That's the real reason why he's not here. Yeah, not the Canada thing that James was talking about. That's fake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yes, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. They beat the Miami Heat last night in the fifth game. Uh, pretty wild uh, game. The The Heat really played well. And then just some costly turnovers at the end there. Um, and yeah, first NBA championship for the Denver Nuggets. But there's also been some kind of like other crazy storylines going on with some big name players. Um, and now that the season is officially over and we're in the off season, um, it's a good time to talk about it. We, the boys actually talked about it via like our group text, but have not talked about it on the podcast yet. So first topic, Chris Paul, future Hall of Famer. I guess it's not actually technically official, or maybe it is. It's kind of still a little up in the air. Is potentially getting cut or whatever you want to call it from the Phoenix Suns. Um, the Phoenix will just eat 15.8 mil in, in dead money, uh, which seems like a lot of money. Um, and then Chris Paul could potentially sign for a deal for like a one year, 12 million ish dollar deal, um, kind of depending on where he wants to go. But so Tyler, first things first, like, what do you think about Chris Paul and the Suns? um, you know, potentially kind of parting ways and then where do you maybe see him, him going? Yeah, I guess it's kind of surprising, not surprising. I think player movement in the NBA is, is well chronicled, especially in the recent years. It's just been crazy. You know, contracts really don't mean anything anymore. Um, guys want to leave, they can leave um, for whatever reason it may be. Uh, so obviously Chris Paul, you know, definitely one of the, you know, better point guards of his generation is up potentially up for grabs. And there's a lot of teams out there that could potentially use a point guard kind of depending on how everything goes. I think the the, the biggest rumor that I've heard circulating is a, a straight up Chris Paul for uh, James Harden trade, which I feel like would benefit the Sixers more than it would benefit the Suns. I think Kevin Durant's been trying to run away from James Harden for a while and it keeps getting thrown back with that guy. So um, I don't know if that would benefit the Suns as much, but that's the one I've been hearing a lot about. But a couple of other teams that I think would might might be a good fit, um, p- potentially the uh, Houston Rockets. Uh, I think they're you know working on the rebuild and landing a, a veteran like that might kind of help uh, that process up. Obviously, it doesn't make them a contender right away, but I think that it could be a good fit to kind of help uh, bring some of that young talent um, up to speed a little bit. And then also uh, the Clippers, depending on what they do with Westbrook, could be in need for a point guard. And that might be a good fit there uh, in Los Angeles. So those are the kind of two teams out there that I feel like might be able to use Chris Paul's talent the most. And that kind of makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, Chris Paul's like usage and injury history over the last six years or so has made that contract pretty much untradeable. So if they do end up, at least in my opinion, if they do end up cutting him, um, there's a potential that he does just restructure and re-sign with the Suns. Um, and maybe that's a way for the Suns to uh, do a little mini, almost like kind of rebuild themselves. Um, you know, obviously they came into the season thinking that they were a, a true title contender and it did not really turn out that way. Um, as for your team's, I don't see the Rockets happening. Um, Chris Paul's 38. I think if he's going to sign with the team, he's really not going to be interested in a Rockets team that is at least three years away, probably, unless something crazy happens. The Clippers, as we may talk about later too, who knows? Um, I see the Sixers as a potential option. I don't really, I mean, I see it as an option. I don't think it's a good option with just his injury history. Um, doesn't mean the Sixers won't make that mistake, but James kind of same, same thought, Chris Paul, 
and the son's getting divorced um, and then where you could potentially see him going? Uh, I actually, I mean, think the obvious answer here would be the Lakers because the Lakers always get stars, right? They always have big names come to their teams and why not pair up with LeBron and AD and put Chris Paul in there and oh my God, you have a big three again. That's the obvious answer, right? Uh, it's kind of the tired answer too because that's what everybody's going to think anyway. Uh, but the actual answer I really like is the Golden State Warriors, believe it or not. Uh, Steph is a point guard by height and by weight and by the way he looks. But he plays like a shooting guard. Let's be real. He's more of a spot-up shooter kind of guy. Rolls through screens, takes a three-pointer. How cool would it be for him to just take a little load off, not bring the ball up, and have CP3 facilitate that offense? That would just unlock an entirely new level of Steph Curry and his three-point efficiency. If he doesn't have to run around everywhere all the time and just plays off ball, catch the ball, catch and shoot, damn, Steph Curry's going to break or make the record even more unbreakable than it already is for three-point shooting. That's what's going to happen. And then you can even use Clay in that situation too. Clay can stay a warrior. Jay, Jordan Poole can stay a warrior if you still have CP3 coming in because he can facilitate the offense really, really, really well. It doesn't matter what offense he's in. He's a damn good point guard. The question is, can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy enough to facilitate that, that team and run the second unit and be the passer, I think the Warriors are virtually unbeatable. I, as a Lakers fan, don't like the idea of Chris Paul going to the Warriors because I agree with everything you said. If they if they do trade like a sign-and-trade situation, that could be a way to offset some of the money for that Jordan Poole is owed, and maybe he goes to Phoenix, and it kind of runs the second the second unit in Phoenix, as we saw that that was their kind of their problem. They do not have the depth. I don't, I'd have to look into the money. That does seem like a really, that kind of seems like a win-win for both teams. I think Jordan Poole, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago is potentially on his way out of golden state. Um, you know, after an up and down season, um, you know, starting with getting punched in the face by Draymond green. So, uh, I like that obviously the Lakers and LeBron and Chris Paul have been homies forever. Um, it would be kind of bittersweet, I think, for Lakers fans after Chris Paul's trade to the Lakers 10 plus years ago got X'd by um by the NBA that really changed the the face of the the association for the next decade. So we'll we will have to see what kind of happens, but that is, you know, a big storyline. And like Tyler mentioned, you know, one of the best point guards of his generation potentially leaving Phoenix after some pretty successful seasons. So um, moving on to another point guard who's really more of a shooting guard. Damian Lillard is also in the rumor mill, potentially, you know, kind of saying like, Hey, if Portland does not, you know, make moves to become a better or more competitive team, he might leave. And then he kind of hinted Miami or Brooklyn as potential fits for Dame. So James, you know, is it time, you know, Dame has said he will be loyal to Portland but it has been a rough couple of years there. Um, you know, obviously they shipped out CJ McCollum a couple of years ago. So is it time for Dame to ask for a trade thoughts on his fit in Miami or Brooklyn um, or potentially somewhere else? I believe that it is. And typically I don't agree with that. And I'm typically like, come on, man, you sent a contract there. Like stay true to your contract. But in this situation, though, Portland has not made good on any promises that they've given Dame at all. Like Dame has given them everything. He's given them all the energy he possibly can and giving him giving them his all every single night. And it's not reciprocated one bit. 
they have yet to build a solid team around him, yet to bring a competent head coach to be his head coach. Like Chauncey Billups, I'm sorry, man, but that's not that that's not the guy. That's not the guy you want leading your team. And they can't build around him because they're picking the wrong people. Like they haven't made a big name signing at all. And I'm not saying you need a big name to compete, but damn, right now, Dame needs a a, a 1B. Dame is a 1A for sure, but he needs he needs somebody else to work with because that's how the NBA is trending nowadays. In terms of where he's going, he did say that if Miami was a championship, he will not go there. Miami did not win the championship. And how much would that help Miami? Because we just saw in the finals, the offense went stagnant a lot of the time. And when Jimmy couldn't score, if he couldn't get to the basket, and if Bam couldn't make a layup, which happened more often than not, the offense went nowhere. And the Denver Nuggets were a terrible defensive team. All the numbers show it. They're terrible at defense. They're just a high-scoring team. That's how they win. But for some reason, Miami couldn't score. If you bring in Dane, that's automatic offense, man. I have no idea how you're going to make that work, but Miami, damn, you got to make that shit happen if you want to compete because Dame is good. Yeah, I I agree with, you know, I, I want players to stay with their teams long-term. Um, you know, obviously growing up as a Lakers fan, Kobe almost left a couple of times, but didn't. Um, and, you know, other like him, Dirk, Timmy D, those are like kind of the only guys. Like it's not a thing people do anymore. Um, you know, and I really hope that, that he can stay, but you're right. Portland has not built a team, um, around him. I mean, it's tough. Portland is not exactly a high level, you know, NBA destination, you know, that stars want to go to. Um, I think that would step up Miami, uh, quite a bit, but I think that the fit in Brooklyn would be really interesting as well. Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, those are all very, very good players, but they're not superstars like Dame is. And that can kind of push them to a higher level in the East. You know, after we thought they would be screwed and blew it all up after Kyrie and KD left, they, that could potentially be a better team than with those two superstars on it. But we will have to see. Ty, thoughts on on Dame? You know, should he stay in Portland? Should should they trade him? You know, what what do you think is going on there? Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated situation. I think... Alex, I agree with you. I, I like it when players, you know, stay at the same team. And it would be awesome to see Dame Lillard win a championship in Portland. I think just the, the dedication, the time he's put in that organization for, the, for that to happen would be a great feel-good story. You know, but obviously right now, the way things are looking, it's not looking like that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, so for Dame's perspective, you can kind of understand if, you know, he's kind of getting towards the second half of his career here. Like, if he wants to win a championship, it's probably not, it's unlikely to happen in Portland unless things change drastically. So the, the, the two teams that he mentioned, the, the Nets and the Heat, um, I think obviously the Heat give him the better chance right now. I think the Nets though have more assets to make a trade like that happen. So it feels like the Nets may be able to work it out better and give more back to Portland than what the Heat can offer. Um, but obviously if the Heat want to make it happen, you can make things happen. You know, you can, you can add in a third team or what, Whatever you got to do. Um, but obviously, I think we all like the idea of a Jimmy Butler and Dame Lillard, you know, combo right there. I think that would be pretty awesome uh, there in Miami. Um, another one that I saw floating out there that sounds kind of fun is uh, him getting traded to the Suns. Um, again, not exactly sure how that would work, but uh, seeing, seeing, seeing Lillard there in Phoenix, uh, I think, especially with, uh, with the, the potentially CP3 gone, I think that might be a pretty interesting fit as well. So, yeah. Pretty crazy. I, it's one of those things where I, I agree with Alex. I want to see guys stay with the same team, win, win, win championships with those teams. But 
you know, at some point it's like, if, 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 if the team's not backing you up, then you probably just got to move on at some point. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he will be moved at least not over the, over the off season, potentially if Portland, you know, cause Portland was in it, at least in the, in a play in perspective for 85% of the season. And then, lost a lot of games at the end there and Dame, um, you know, ended up kind of sitting out the, the last couple of weeks with an injury. So I, I could see it maybe being an off season, I mean, a, uh, trade deadline thing. Um, but it's obviously just kind of big news when a superstar like Damian Lillard, who has been one of the more public, you know, outspoken per- people about wanting to stay with Portland. So I guess we will see, but yeah, two big, uh, two big superstars in the Western conference that could potentially be leaving, Final uh, kind of bit, and I've seen this floated around too, um, the the Clippers. So, you know, before the pandemic season, you know, the Lakers made the big move to to sign Anthony Davis. It went really well for them, obviously, as they won the championship. But people forget, like, the Clippers were, I think, the ones that people expected to to be the other, like, it was kind of the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks. Like, those were the best teams. And the Clippers, other than making one conference finals, have really not succeeded at all after you know trading for slash signing Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The two of them have been hurt quite a lot. Um, just last year, they overall did not between the two of them played less than fifty percent of their games. Um, you know, Paul George did not play in the playoffs. Kawhi missed the last games uh, due to a knee injury. So it's time. Is it time for the Clippers to blow it up? Um, or do you think they run it back one more time? They, you know, I, I have my own thoughts on this, but, uh, James, we'll start, start with you. Is it time for the Clippers to blow it up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Eric, but how many times we, we say this every single off season, we're like, should they run it back one more time or should they blow it up? This has happened the last three or four off seasons. Literally. It's like clockwork. It happens every time. How many times are you going to say one more time before one more time is actually the last time. This is it. You can't build around Kawhi if his massive-ass contract is taking up everything and he plays three-fourths of the game. Max. That's not great. Paul George, I'm sorry, man. He's good, but he can't stay healthy. When you have two very injury-prone people you're building a team around and they're not around, it's hard to build a team that way. At this point, you just got to cut your losses, man. Like you, you got the most out of them. Let's be real. They put you on the map. Uh, when CP3, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan were gone, the Clippers were nothing. You bring in Kawhi, you bring in PG, and wow, you're a talking point now. You're favorited out of the West for a couple of years. But now it's just like, you're not going anywhere. It's 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 gone. Dude. Kawhi is not going to help you. He's not going to play. Paul George isn't going to help you. He can't stay healthy. That's a lot of money just sitting there. Use that money somewhere else. Get more role players. And be, be, be more competitive. But yeah, it's it's done. It's time to blow it up. If you, if they had to pick one to trade and one to keep, or if you had to, if you were the GM of the Clippers and you had to keep one and trade one, which, what would you choose? I would keep PG and trade Kawhi. Uh, I think Kawhi has more name value, even though, yeah, he doesn't play that much. He's still in an NBA championship. He's still the claw and he still shows out in the playoffs when he plays. But I think I'd get more bang for my buck with Kawhi. Okay. Tyler, similar question, you know, is it time for the Clippers to blow it up? And if you had to keep one, 
or I guess sell both. That seems unlikely, but, um, you know, keep one or sell one. What would you do? Yeah, I do think it's time. I think we've kind of seen the best, what the, what the Clippers can do with their current roster. I just, I don't, I don't really see it just automatically putting them to a place that it's, that's an NBA champion because that's what they're trying to be. They're obviously in the playoffs every year. So they're a good team, but they're not a great team and they're not winning championships. And I think we've, we, we've kind of seen their limit. Um, I think the Clippers kind of run the organization like they're, you know, a, a big market franchise. And I think that they're, they're definitely a small market franchise. I know they're in Los Angeles, but I mean, com- comparatively speaking, you know, they're not the Lakers. And I think they need to be, they need to run more like a small market franchise, kind of like what the Denver Nuggets have done, you know, kind of build, build the draft and, and kind of build that way. It takes longer. It's, it's, it's a little bit more painful, but I think it breeds success in the long term. And I think, I think that's what the Clippers should start thinking about. And one way to do that is obviously is, is by getting something back from your start you currently have in Kawhi and, and Paul George. Um, honestly, I, I, I can see them, you know, possibly getting rid of one this offseason and then, you know, maybe trying to make a move or two or something. Um, at that at, at at the trade deadline, um, if it's, it's especially if they're not even close to a, a, a playoff spot, but I feel like the Clippers aren't going to do that. I feel like they're going to keep riding this thing through until all the contracts are expired and they get nothing back, and then they're going to be shitty again for another twenty years. Yeah, the Clippers are kind of the angels of the NBA a little bit. Superstars can't can't build around them. You see, except for that, they make the playoffs, but it's also a lot easier to make the playoffs in basketball. So. I uh, I also think it might be time. I don't know if they will because they're the Clippers and it feels like they'll you you see the team and you think they have the potential, uh, you know, to be a be a contender and maybe they can be, maybe they won't be. But um, uh, one thing that I saw was you know I think Paul George's contract might be easier to trade than Kawhi's just because Kawhi is so you just don't know with him. Like Paul George gets hurt all the time. But Kawhi just seems to sit for reasons that don't make sense. So potentially New Orleans could be an option. Um, they have a lot of young talent that, you know, the Clippers might want to kind of build around. Um, and Nola is really close to being a very competitive team. Same thing, like if they can get Zion on the court, um, but with Ingram and McCollum, it's, I mean, it's all about health and all these things, but um, you know, New Orleans feels like a team that's like kind of one step away, but uh, James, that's all I got this week for the NBA. Um, we'll see what happens next week. If we do NBA or do something else. Um, but yeah, I'm done. Thank you, Alex. And I think it's worth mentioning that Zion has like 70,000 girlfriends all coming out the woodwork right now. Guys, yeah. freak handle. <laughs> yeah, hey, but you do you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when you return, Tyler is talking baseball. Welcome back, everybody. Tyler is talking baseball again. Here you go, Tyler. It's all you. <laughs> you know it. That's that's baseball season. We're, we're talking about it. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of National League East teams, one that's doing pretty shady and one that's doing surprisingly well. And then it's that time of year where the all-star ballot uh, is, is, is out. Um, it's time for fans to vote on who they think should start the all-star game. So we're going to give you guys our, our all-star ballot for the American League and the National League. And we'll kind of go through there and see if where we agree and where, and where we disagree. Because there's definitely a few positions that were some thinkers. I don't know about you guys, but there's a few. Where I, it was kind of back and forth, but we'll get to that in the end. But let's start off talking about the New York Mets, everyone's favorite, best shitty team in the world. Um, the New York Mets are struggling right now. 
currently sitting at 31 and 35, nine games back of the National League East lead. Pete Alonso, their slugger, their best player, their, their, their best hitter, just went on the IL with a bruised wrist after getting hit by a pitch against the Braves last week. Uh, it's a team that's just all around not doing very well. And you know, they're, they're hitting, they rank 16th in run scores, 21st in batting average, 17th in on-base percentage, and 18th in slugging. So it's all bottom half of the league. And the pitching has been even worse, which was expected to be one of their strengths. They're 26th in the ERA, 24th in whip, and 23rd in batting average against. So the pitching is a disaster. The hitting, you know, hasn't been, it's been a little in, inconsistent. I think Francisco Lindor, you know, is sitting like 213 or 220 or something like that. Something that way down than what he sh- should be. Um, the, the Mets owner was asked recently if the Mets are going to blow the whole thing up and they're going to restart. And he was adamant that they will not blow up the team, that they're going to keep moving forward with the team as assembled, which by the way, is the highest payroll in all of baseball. And they have a losing record right now and are out of a playoff spot um, as we kind of approach that all-star break time. So it's, it's, is it panic button time guys? Or do you feel like the Mets still have a chance to make the postseason and turn things around? Alex, what do you got? I think the panic button is about eight out of 10. I mean, there's still enough time. I know we're, we're officially past trade-ins uh, anniversary. So it, the panic button, it, it's a discussion. Um, I think it's an eight out of 10. Uh, Scherzer has really not played well, got suspended for what I would say is kind of, kind of bull, uh, sticky stuff situation. Verlander's not been good. Um, you know, Carrasco has, as far as I know, is still not pitched. Like we talked about this during the, the previews of the Mets rotation being an average age of like 38 or whatever, maybe, maybe not 38, but they were probably one of the older average starting ages of a rotation. And it has not gone well. Um, there's a lot, that's a lot of miles on a lot of arms. Um, and just like the depth after that did not seem to be the best. Um, and then a lot of their other guys who performed really well last year have taken a step back. I mean, you mentioned Alonzo and Lindor, but like even Starling Marte and Eduardo Escobar and Mark Canna have all, you know, these kind of part of the big free agent signings they made last year, all taking steps back in pretty much all offensive categories. So, um, yeah, I think they're, I think they're in trouble. Um, you know, and maybe they make a trade to try to bolster their, their team at the deadline. Um, I would be surprised if they blew it up, but that, I I mean, the Braves seem like the class of the national league and it's doesn't really seem very close. Um, it's like, they're not going to catch them in the East for sure. And they're going to have to be fighting a lot of other teams and teams. We did not really expect to be there. Uh, in the wild card. So yeah, I think the Mets are in trouble and they they should eight out of 10 on the panic button. Yeah, I think, I think it's pretty high for sure. Um, like I said, just a lot, a lot of things not going the Mets way guys that have not performed as, as they expected. But James, where are you on terms of the panic button for the Mets right now? I'm smashing the fuck out that panic button. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely. Two and 10 out of the last or two and eight out of the last 10. That sucks. Like you mentioned, Pete Alonso's out for a while. Buck Showalter and his comments following getting swept by the Braves saying, I was happy with their performance. That's weird. You got swept. Why are you happy about their performance? Fix something with the team. That's your job, man. That's not cool. It's a, it's a weird comment for me. I don't why. Like, honestly, this is like bad juju because Brandon Nimbo talked talk shit about players playing in the World Baseball Classic. That's what's happening to you, Mets. You had a bad player who talked some shit. Now it's all coming back to bite you. Karma. But in all reality, they're only three games back out of the wild card. 
Um, like Alex mentioned, winning the division is going to be impossible. Zero percent chance that's happening there. Um, they do have some teams they have to go through to get to the wild card. You know, they have to play really well, and the teams ahead of them have to play terribly. Of those teams, the Dodgers are currently sitting in a wild card position, which won't last forever. Like they're going to win their division. But then you got the Marlins that we're going to talk about later. The Brewers, the Giants, the Phillies, the Padres. Like you'd expect the Phillies to get on their horse and play a little better. Uh, the Padres apparently are going to be an amazing second half team, according to Tyler, and win the World Series. So we'll see how that happens. Uh, but like realistically, man, like they got to go through all those teams and be better than those teams and have those teams be terrible. So I, honestly, I, I think they have like a less than 12% chance of making even the wild card. Yeah, it, it's 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 getting pretty dicey right now for the Mets. Um, I can see it where they may. I I don't know if they'll make the postseason this year. Just the way things are trending, I think the the biggest reason for me is Verlander and Scherzer just not being the guys that they expected to be. If you don't have your top two aces pitch the way that you expect them to, that's a huge blow to a team. And that, like the 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 starting pitchers set the tone, and you see every team that's good has those aces that go out there and are consistent. That's what makes the the a team successful. Um, that that's what the Braves have. You know, I, even the, the the Diamondbacks. Honestly, like Zach Gallen and uh, um, like another guy that I'm that is their number two guy at the moment. But Merrill uh, Curry, thank you. Um, there, there, there you go. Attaboy, James. Uh, they're, I know, they're, I know they're going out there. They're setting the tone, and that's one of the reasons why they're in first place in the National League West. So, and the Mets don't have that. And that that's a huge problem. Um, so I think it is panic button time in terms of the season. I don't think they're going to blow it up. I, I think there's still a lot there. I mean, it, it'd be shocking if they just said, screw the whole thing and we're just going to re- and rebuild. That's not going to happen. But there's a really good chance that they do not make the playoffs here in, in 2023. Just the way things are trending at the moment. It's it's hard to imagine that they're going to turn it around real quick unless Verlander and uh, Scherzer find the fountain of youth again and are just aces the second half of the year but I don't really see that happening. Um, so let's move on to another team in the National League East that's doing surprisingly very well, and that's the Miami Marlins. Uh, currently, over the last two weeks, they're 13-5, and five, and they're currently 37-30, and 30, second place in the NL East, just three and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves, who we all can pretty much agree on is the best team in the, in the National League. So they're hanging in there. You know, you look at this team statistically, there's nothing that really that stands out at you from a team perspective. They got a couple of individual performers that are doing fantastic, but not necessarily a team you'd expect to be in a postseason spot. But right now they are. They're the uh, second wild card spot as we sit here, you know, in mid-June. But um, what do you guys think of the Marlins? Like, do you see a path for them to make the postseason the way things are shaping out? Or do you think it's just... They're, they're just hot right now, and that's going to fade as we kind of get in, 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 into the dog, the dog days of summer. James, what do you got? I I don't know. Um, <laughs> this this last fair. month is like, they've been hot this last month, but they've also haven't played anybody good since May 10th when they played the D-backs. Like they, this entire month, they've played like teams like the Nationals, the Rockies, the Royals, like bottom dweller teams is what they're playing in this last month. And it's... Cool, you're supposed to win against them. Awesome. But your point differential is still negative. And you have some good statistical performers like Luis Arias. Like, that's great. Um, but overall, man, I don't think they have what it takes to make that full push. I, I actually I retract that statement. I think that their success and failure will rise and fall based off the performance of Luis Arias. 
I think that if he hits well and continues hitting around 400, like around like plus plus or minus 10 points, right? So if he's like, or 15, so 385, 400, 415, if he's around that area, success. Because hitting is contagious a lot of the times. You'll see if uh, one hitter is hitting the ball pretty well, the next one will come up there and hit the ball decently well too, because you're seeing the ball better, taking more pitches. The confidence of the pitcher goes downhill, right? Hitting is contagious. If he can hit well, the Marlins will continue to do well. If he doesn't hit well, and if, he, if his average falls below 340, like that, that is a, a losing effort for your team, and the, they'll start losing then. So I think the Marlins do good if Luis Arias does good. That's my final answer. I mean, so far, that's been the recipe for success, for sure. Um, but uh, Alex, what do you think of this Marlins team? I think they have a 35-65, 35 chance to make the playoffs. I think they're playing, like James said, some shitty teams, and they're capitalizing on that, which is a positive. Uh, but they're 17-5 and in one-run games. That is like an absurd mark uh, to to keep going. It's the, uh, what does it say, the highest winning percentage in the modern era since 1900. That's insane. That's not going to keep up. Um, so, like, their offense is not, I mean, not great. I mean, Jorge Soler is doing well. Luis Arise is doing well. You know, we, James was talking about them as well, but if they're, I think if they're in contention, they make a trade to try to to try to push to get into the playoffs. Um, and there's definitely down years with teams we thought would be better. Padres, Mets, looking at you, but um, I think they have I think they have a better shot now than they than we ever considered at the beginning of the season. I think we all agreed that the Marlins were easily the fourth team in that division, um, and the Phillies and the and the Mets have not played well. So I think they have a shot. Um, but similar to the Mets situation, there's a lot of other teams in, in the national league wild card, And I don't think the Marlins will catch the Braves. Um, they're close now, but I think over the season, the Braves will pull away as just an, an elite team, um, in the national league right now. Yeah. I'd be shocking if the Marlins won the division. I mean, the talk about the Braves would have to go on a total meltdown. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there is a path for the Marlins to make the, the postseason. I think the, the NL wild card is, is pretty wide open. It's anyone's game. We kind of mentioned all the teams that are in it right now. None of those teams that are kind of on the outside looking in are, are currently like really confident, you know, teams like the, the, uh, the, the Padres, the Mets, the, uh, the Reds are shockingly kind of in, 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 in that conversation, uh, the Padres, None of these teams are really like, I feel like they're going to want to run, you know? And, and like I said, it could be just, you know, right now the, the Marlins are capitalizing on playing some uh, bad teams and, you know, teams that are playing subpar, you know, and that's currently just where we stand at this point in the season. It's interesting because I, I, I with kind of what you guys are saying, like as, as, as a team, it's not a team that you really expect to be a postseason team, but they're still winning games. And, you know, I think overall as a team, they're not terrible. Like they got some good talent and, they, they might go on a run. You, you know, you, you just never know. So Marlins is definitely a team to look out for in the second half of the season. Um, so let's talk about the American League, or sorry, the uh, All-Star game uh, coming up uh, in a few weeks here. The, all, the All-Star ballots are out, so go ahead and vote. So, But we're going to get you guys our uh, All-Star ballots, and we're going to kind of go position by position. Uh, we're going to start in the American League. Uh, we're going to start with catcher. So we'll just go around the horn real quick. Alex, who do you got for your starting catcher in the American League. Yeah, this one was tough, but I'm going with Adley Rutschman. I think he's been kind of overall the best catcher uh for the Orioles or for the in the American League this year so far. James, you got. I agree with Alex. It's as soon as he got called up, the Orioles started doing better. Is it a function of him? 
Yeah, yes, yes, it is. He's good. <laughs> Orioles, or, Orioles are doing good. I actually went with uh, Jonah Heim of the Texas Rangers on this one. This was one of the ones that was more difficult to pick. Um, and I think that Jonah Heim just statistically has better numbers than Adley Rutschman at this point in the season. And I think that you reward that for the All-Star game. I do appreciate what you guys are saying. I think Rutschman is probably the better, you know, impact. He's, he's more impactful for his team than I think Heim is. Um, but I, I want to give Jonah Heim the credit that he deserves there with, with the statistical season that, that he's having there with, with the Rangers. Let's move on to first base. James, who you got at first? Marcus Simeon, dude. <laughs> like, he is first base. Of, oh, first base. Oh, sorry. Vladdy. <laughs> My bad. Uh, <laughs> Vladdy for sure. Cause guys power. At, I mean, like he's not having the best year. Um, but he is based off name. Like he's doing decent for what he is. The power isn't. 100% there. He's not leading the A on home runs like we all expect him to do all the time. But it's glad he's still there. Like he's, he's a very good player. All right. Alex, who you got? I have Yandy Diaz from the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, better average, more homers, slightly less ribbies, almost 150 more points in OPS over Vladdy. Um, and a Rays team that's just been incredible. So yeah, I have, I have Yandy Diaz. Yeah, Alex, I also went with uh, Yanny Diaz in this one, just kind of for the reasons that you said. Just better numbers than Vladdy. No disrespect to Vladimir Guerrero. Obviously, I think he's more of the star and the guy that you want to see out there. He's 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 done incredible in all-star games uh, in his young career. And I think he'll definitely make the all-star team, but I just don't know. I, th- I think you give Diaz the start there. Uh, let's move on to second base. Uh, James, I know who you got for second, but you want to just give your reason. <laughs> uh, okay, Marcus Simeon, for a long time there, he was scoring a run per game which is an insane number. Part of the reason why the Texas Rangers are as good as they are. Alex. Yeah. I've also got Marcus Simeon also just looking at like, if you look through the ballot, Marcus Simeon has 51 RBIs. The next closest guy is Adam Frazier and Brandon Drury with 30. So like Marcus Simeon has been easily the best second baseman. And in my opinion, it's not even close. Yeah, this was definitely one of the easiest ones to pick. It's Marcus Simeon, no doubt. He will run away with the second base vote here to start for the American League. Let's move on to third base. Alex, you got a third. Yeah, this one I thought was tough. And I went with someone who I don't think will become the starter, but I think has had the best year. And that's Josh Jung, also of the Texas Rangers. 287, 13 bombs, 40 homers, and 846 OPS. Looking up and down, you know, guys like Matt Chapman or Rafael Devers are kind of bigger names, but Josh Jung's had a better season so far on, again, a better team than those guys. So, uh, yeah, pretty incredible season so far. I like it. Uh, James, who do you got? I, I agree, man. I've watched a lot of him because of how good the Texas Rangers are, but he's, he's doing amazing and he's a rookie, right? Like that, that's incredible. Yeah, I agree. I also got Josh Chung here. I think you guys made a, a great pick. I think Matt Chapman currently leads that vote. Um, I think Matt Chapman got off to an incredible start. But if you just look at the numbers as a whole right now, Josh Chung had, hasn't beat pretty much everywhere. Um, so I think that Josh Chung, you know, definitely deserves that start. It's a little bit of an, a, a sleeper pick. But if you really look at the numbers, he deserves that start. Um, so let's move on to shortstop. Uh, James, who you got short? Bo Bichette, uh, 14 homers, 858. 58 OPS, just doing his thing. Angels killer. All right, Alex. Yeah, Boba All he does is hit. Uh, his defense kind of leaves a little bit to be desired for sure. Um, you know, Wander, that was a tough one between him and Wander Franco or Franco or whatever you want to say, but Boba has just had a better offensive season, at least to start. 
yeah, I agree with you guys. I think I do agree, Alex. Um, uh, Wander Franco was the next best option, but you just look at the numbers again. Bo Bichette deserves it. He's a young stud that deserves that start. Uh, so let's go to outfield. Let's do all three of your picks at once. So your three outfielders, starters, Alex, what do you got? Okay, so assuming they're healthy by this point, I have Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, and Mike Trout. If Judge and Jordan are not healthy, I have Adoles Garcia and a Randy Arozarena as the they who should be starting. I like that you had the if they're injured or not. That was that was clever. Uh, James, who you got? Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, and um, I really didn't want to put him up here because he's having a very bad year with his standards with Mike Trout. Right? He's not playing Mike Trout like he is striking out two times a game. He's playing terribly, to be honest with you. And um, I didn't want to put him up there, but I, you kind of have to. <laughs> like, you can't not put Mike Trout on the ballot. So Mike Trout's up there. But I really wanted to put Randy Rosemary instead. Yeah, uh, tough one. Um, I went Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, and I actually went with Randy Rosemary for my third and not starting Mike Trout. You actually can not put Mike Trout in the starting all-star game. But that, that is an option that you do have. I understand what you're saying. He's one of the biggest, if not one, if, if not the biggest star in MLB, so he should be at the all-star game. I think you'll probably get an all-star nod, but like I said, I think just the starters... You know, I think it, it it deserves on on their merit on what they've done this year, and I think Randy Rosarena has had a better season than 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 Mike Trout. It was tough though; it was weird. Like usually when you do the All Star ballot, it's like automatically like Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, and then who's the third one? That's pretty much how it's been the last like three or four years. This one was like, damn, I like Mike Trout's numbers is not there. There's a lot of other guys that probably deserve that spot, and for me, that's Randy Rosarena. Um, and then DH, James, who we got? Sure. Yeah. As of yesterday, leads the league in home runs. Like there's, there's nobody else. No, Alex, do you agree? Yeah, it's Shohei. Yeah, yeah. That, this was probably probably the easiest one for sure. Shohei Otani starting DH of the All Star game. I mean, a because he's had an incredible year once again, and B he's Shohei Otani. You got to have him in there. All right, let's move on to the National League with catcher Alex. What do you got? I picked with my head and not my heart. It is Sean Murphy of the Atlanta Braves. Um, I really thought about Will Smith. Um, I thought about JT Real Muto, but Sean Murphy has just had a better season than those guys. Um, and he deserves the starting nod as of right now. James. I almost went with JT Real Muto because of his cycle yesterday. But I, again, went with Sean Murphy because 920 OPS as a catcher is pretty nice. Yeah. Alex, same thing. I tried so hard to find a good reason to get Will Smith to start. But if you just look at all, like all I was looking at like, Defense. I was looking at. I was looking at like every stat. Like, give me something. The only thing that Will Smith has over Sean Murphy is he's about ten points higher in batting average. But you can't just do it over one stat. Like Sean Murphy is the he is the all star starter as, at the catching position. So you got to give credit there. But damn, I want a Will Smith at starter. Like I, I just think that guy's awesome. But let's move on to first base. Uh, James, what do you got first? Freddie Freeman. This guy is a free square for any like betting app ever. For a long time, <laughs> his hits plus RBIs plus runs was 1.5, and he would smash that every single game. Freddie Freeman's my vote. All right, Freddie at first. Alex, do you agree? I think this was the easiest one other than Otani. I mean, you look at the first base, and you would think, oh, Pete Alonso, he's having a great year, and he does have more homers than Freddie, but is, so Freddie has a 999 OPS, Alonso's is 872. Freddie's hitting 338, and Alonso's hitting 231. It is Freddie, and if it's not Freddie, this is a, it's a joke. Yeah, it's weird because usually the the first base uh, race for the start for all stars in the National League is usually pretty tight, but this year it's not even close. It's it's Freddie Freeman 
by a, a landslide. Moving on to second base, Alex, who you got second? Yeah, this is Luis Arise um, hitting almost 400 or still hitting 400. I don't know where he's at at the moment, uh, but he's had an incredible season. James is just putting fingers up. Yeah. With, yeah. No Going just, into today, he's 391. Uh, yeah, three, three, <laughs> nine. One. You like did the three and then you kept it up and put this hand up and then you changed it. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Three, 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 five, forty-one. Uh, <laughs> Got it. James, you agree with with the Luis Arise pick? Yes, I do. Him and the Miami Marlins. Yep. Yes, I agree as well. I mean, he's having. You know, you don't see guys flirt with four hundred that often anymore. It's been a long time since we even had that discussion. You got to give that nod to Luis Arise there at second. Um, moving on to third base, James, you got third. I, I have Austin Riley at this spot. Um, 11 home runs, 266, but, uh, mostly because he helped me with my bets. So him. <laughs> all right. That's fair. Uh, Alex, what are you? Yeah, this one was also tough, similar to first base where you think like, man, there should be a lot of them and you go through and you're like, dude, what is going on? I same thing with Max Muncy. I really wanted to give him the start. And other than homers, it's really not much. I still think it goes Nolan Arenado. He had a terrible start to the season, but has picked it up. Obviously, the Cardinals are trash, but um, he's still having a pretty good season. So I went with I went with Arenado. Yeah, I also went with uh, Arenado too. And I agree, Alex. Like the the depth at third base normally in National League is insane. This year, it's it was almost like damn, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for a guy here. But Arenado, you know, still. 280, 13 home runs, 45 RBIs, and 818 OPS. That's that's an all-star season. Um, you know, it's not the best he's had. It's not it's up to his standards, probably, but still deserving of an all-star nod. Austin Riley is a close second. I definitely think he'll be an all-star, but I'm gonna put Arenado at the at, for the starting spot. Moving on to the shortstop position. Alex, who do you got? Same thing. There are some incredible names in the shortstop vote who are not playing well. I mean, Xander Bogarts, Francisco Lindor. Trey Turner, like none of those guys deserve it. It's Orlando Arcia of the Braves. Like he has taken over for Dansby Swanson and had an incredible season. Um, and it's just another reason why the Braves are the best team in the National League. So yeah, I've got Orlando Arcia as my starting shortstop of the National League All-Stars. So who knows? If you put money on Orlando Arcia starting the All-Star game before the season started, you probably made a lot of money. James, did you do that? Or? <laughs> I did not, <laughs> but I also have him as my starter. Yeah, this one was probably the time I spent the most on, like, because as you mentioned, Alex, the guys that you expect to be that, that guy is not like just clearly. And there's three or four guys that are probably deserving of it. I actually went with Gerardo Perdomo here of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I just, you know, looking at all the stats, I do think, I mean, his, his, his war is a little bit higher. I think he's a better defensive shortstop than, than, than Arcia. Um, I think Arcia has got some better numbers. I think particularly in batting average, he's definitely way better than per- Perdomo. But I think as a whole, I do think Perdomo has had the better season. So I'm going to give it to Perdomo here. Another just like dark horse candidate at, uh, uh, starting for the National League at shortstop. But that one was a very difficult one to pick. So let's move on to our three outfielders for the National League. James, what do you got? Ronald Acuna, because he's just one of the best outfielders right now. Crazy. Corbin Carroll, love his speed. Bro turns a single into a triple. And then Mookie Betts, because you can't not have Mookie Betts up there. It's a lot of the Mike Trout thing going on there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Alex? Yep. Uh, Acuna, because he's you know the front runner for the MVP. Mook, um, it's kind of like the Mike Trout thing, but Mookie's still having a great year. So it's still Mookie Betts. And yeah, Corbin Carroll uh, has had an incredible start to the season. 
Yeah, we uh, we all agree uh, for the same reason. So yeah, I, I also got Acuna as we know, just having a he's having he's the front runner of the MVP in the National League. Uh, Mookie Betts, I agree. You know, maybe not the average isn't there. I'm I'm shocked his average is only 263. I feel like he's having a way better year than that. But you know, he still got 17 home runs, 41 rubies, and 901 OPS. And then you throw in his amazing athleticism. And he, I mean, he could probably start for the at shortstop for the National League because he's yeah, might as well, might as well, right? Um, but yeah. So and then Corbin Carroll, as you guys mentioned, have an incredible season there in in Arizona. So let's move on to the DH for the National League, which is still kind of weird to say. Uh, Alex, who do you got? Yeah, I got J.D. Martinez. He's having a real bounce back year um, with the Dodgers. He already has more homers this season than he did last year with the Red Sox. Um, and it's kind of the same thing. Like the National League is still using the DH as sort of a, a some teams are still using it as kind of a rotating thing. And J.D. Martinez has been better than what I have, would have ever expected out of him this year. So that's what I got. James, what do you got? I, I do like that J.D. Martinez pick a lot, uh, but I actually went with Bryce Harper. Because that's the only position he can play. He really can't play any position other than that. And he came back from Tommy John really, really soon to play baseball and can still hit the baseball super far. So that's really cool. I mean, fair enough. Again, Bryce Harper, it's definitely that, you know, kind of star pick there. But I agree with Alex here. I'm going to go with J.D. Martinez. I mean, the incredible bounce back here. I mean, probably a contender for nationally comeback player of the year, if that even counts because he switched to the American League National. I don't know how that I don't even know how that works really. <laughs> but um I think he deserves the all the also not. I mean, just a, a great a great season that he's putting together. Uh, they're there in Los Angeles. So that's rounds up our all-star ballots, guys. Um, go out there and vote. You can vote, I think, five times a day. Um, I might vote for Will Smith like five times a day just so that I, I can get him in just for my own sake. But I probably won't actually do that. But um, I would love to see him start an all-star game. But hope you guys uh, enjoy that segment. Let us know what picks you agree and disagree with, especially at National League Shortstop, because I think that can be pretty much go to anybody at this point. So, But James, that's what I got. <laughs> put in picks in five times a day it's a little excessive if you can do that five times a day you can share our podcast with five friends so go there do you that. go there you go <laughs> uh we're gonna take a quick break but when we return i'm gonna talk more football offseason stuff <laughs> welcome back everybody nfl offseason round three I believe there's still not much to talk about. So I'm going to pick stuff out of air. Um, Stefan Diggs is not showing up to mandatory minicamp. See where there is mandatory. So you should probably be there, especially if you're a star player like Stefan Diggs is, but it's, uh, he's not showing up and head coach Sean McDermott's like very concerned, but where he's at, uh, it doesn't seem like it's contract related because of the fact that he signed an extension last year, so it really seems like it's something to do with him and Josh Allen when they were yelling at each other on the sideline in the last, last playoff game, but I'm not completely sure. So I'm going to throw it to the guys. Like, what do they think about this entire situation? Why do you think he's sitting out? Is he going to be back? And what's the relationship going to be like between him and Josh Allen if he does come back? Alex, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I think this is maybe more of a media story than a like something that's really going on. Obviously the bills loss in the playoffs last year was ugly. Um, And, you know, you never want guys yelling at each other on the, on the sideline. Um, But I think Diggs's agent already came out and was like, he's in Buffalo. He was like, had a doctor's appointment or something and will be there. Um, It it sounds like a lot of miscommunication, uh, which happens, you know, um, Diggs also just posted something super weird on his Instagram. So maybe I'm already changing my mind, but um, 
he's I'm going to need him to be good uh, with Josh Allen because uh, he's going to be my keeper in, in the league. So I'm going to need Diggs to be good. Um, I think it will be okay. I think this is more of a man. There's not much going on in the NFL. Let's make a story to or have we have something to talk about. Um, then it really is a problem. That I mean, that thing that Diggs posted pretty much said that let them keep lying if it lets them sleep better at night. Because earlier today, Josh Allen came out and said, like, we're going to fix this, yada, yada, yada. I got to be more accountable. I got his back. So I, that's what I feel like it's related to. But we'll see. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It just seems like we don't really know a whole lot of what's going on. And obviously, without knowing, really being inside the head of Stefan Diggs, and he hasn't really come out publicly and really said anything. Uh, it's hard to, you can only speculate. Um, clearly, he seems to be a little bit unhappy um, just in the, what, how, what, in the situation in Buffalo whether it's not enough money, whether it's the, the team constantly losing in the first round of the playoffs, whatever it is, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a concern. Um, and it's something that the Buffalo Bills obviously need to address and figure out because he's one of their best players and um, your best player can't be just not showing up to practice for no specified reason. That's obviously a problem. So uh, hopefully it gets figured out soon because uh, Buffalo is going to need that guy to be, uh, be happy and be playing productively. If... This is a question for both of you guys. If Stephon Diggs ends up not coming back to Buffalo, do you, does your outlook on the Bills change? Is this the beginning of the end for the Buffalo Bills? Tyler? Oh, it might be. I'm, I don't think it's the beginning of the end. I just think that they're obviously going to have to... I mean, it's, it's hard to replace the talent like that. Um, so it, it, it's, it's going to be a major blow. Um, I definitely... I, don't, I think they're considered a you know, Super Bowl contender with Diggs. Without Diggs, they're definitely not. Alex? Yeah, I kind of agree with Todd. I don't think it's the beginning of the end, um, but I think you can take them, you know, if you want to put them in the tier list of Super Bowl contender or playoff contender, I think you can move them, move him down. I mean, Stephon Diggs is is one of the elite wide receivers in this game, and it's it's hard to win without it, or at least an elite pass catcher. Um, you know, shout out Travis Kelsey a little bit there, but um, I could definitely see it being a problem. Let's just hope that it's not. For Alex's sake, let's hope that's not so his fantasy team loses in the first round of playoffs. Something like that. I'll take more money. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on from pass catches to pass throwers, and we're going to look at rookie pass throwers this time. And that's um, I want to look at Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and maybe even Will Levis if you're thinking that way. But which of these four Q- rookie QBs will have the best year coming in this season, both fantasy wise and just as a football player? Which person will have a better year alex i'm going bryce young i think potential well i think part of it is the team around him i still think is is probably the most complete out of the rest of the you know the other three you mentioned um you know adam thielen while not you know kind of being past his prime is still a very reliable uh wide receiver um dj chalk you know if he can be healthy can can be very explosive um, and you know, Hayden Hurst kind of took us, took a step in Carolina and you know, obviously signed that big deal. And they, and then they also signed Miles Sanders. So like, I think having a legitimate running back also just helps, you know, if all else fails, that's a guy to dump, dump it off to. Um, you know, I think that the Texans with shroud are going to be the Texans and they got a ways to go. Anthony Richardson, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, um, could be, could be amazing. Could who knows? Um, or he's going to be, you know, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 
And Will Levis seems, I have no idea on that guy. So I'm out on him. So I think the answer is Bryce Young. I don't know fantasy wise, like maybe he's a late round flyer. If you're just, if you're feeling, feeling him, but um, I'm not saying like top 10 or anything like that. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, this was a tough one between Young and uh, Richardson. I think that they're both currently in a better situation to succeed in, in, in 2023. Um, but my gut tells me Richardson. Um, we talked about this guy, that guy last week. Um, I, I just like what he has with the, with the coaching staff there and kind of just the, the, the team built around him seems like the right fit for that style of a player. Um, and I think that's why he's going to succeed quicker. I think Bryce Young probably has a higher ceiling. Um, but I think for if you're looking at 2023 and getting off to a good start, I feel like Richardson is going to be that guy that gets off to a better start. I, I agree. I do like that Josh Richardson pick because of Shane Steichen, because he has people to throw to, like, and a backup in Jonathan Taylor who can just run the ball. Like, if you can't throw it, run it. And you got Jonathan Taylor right there, like, safety blanket. Uh, moving on to my last topic here, we're going to talk about Calvin Ridley, a name you probably have not heard of in a while because he was suspended because of gambling. Last time you heard about him, he was a Falcon. Now he is a Jaguar. All film of him has him looking really, really, really good. And he's supposed to be the number one guy in Jacksonville now in a wide receiver room that has Christian Kirk, that was good last year, Marvin Jones, Evan Ingram, and pass-catching running back Travis Etienne. Tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence last year had a really good breakout season. He looked like the Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, as opposed to the Trevor Lawrence of his rookie year. He looked good. Doug Peterson has a good offense. What does this mean for Calvin Ridley? Like, what are your projections on him this season? Uh, keep in mind that his last season in Atlanta, he had 90 receptions for 1,374 yards and nine touchdowns. Elite numbers. Tyler, what's your projection on Calvin Ridley? For me, it's pretty high. I mean, you, as you mentioned, it's not like he's come back from an injury or anything. He just had that just the stupid suspension. He's, he's, you know, obviously been out of the game for a while. So game speed and maybe, maybe it might take him a, a few games to kind of get back into it. But this guy, as you said, is an elite talent in the NFL and he's on a team that's a high high octane offense so like the the jacksonville jaguars have everything set up to be able to score a lot of points and like i said there, there's a lot of weapons that they have so he may not be the number one guy kind of like he was in atlanta a, 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 a bit there so maybe those numbers aren't going to be quite as high but i feel like he's going to be you know one of their best and go-to guys tar- targets there in, in jacksonville so the ceiling of this guy i think can be very very high he, he could be a pro bowler i mean i, th- I think that guy could potentially be a huge piece to help Jacksonville win. Alex, do you agree? Kind of. So I was looking into him a little bit, and he's—I think he said he guaranteed a fourteen hundred yard season, which is a lot. To put that into perspective, five guys did that last year: Justin Jefferson, who I think we can all agree is potentially the best wide receiver in the NFL; Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, and Stephon Diggs. Those are like the top five guys. Those guys are elite. I think his ceiling. Oh God. I want to say his ceiling is a thousand, like to eclipse a thousand 22 guys did that last year. So it's, you know, almost a guy, a team that does include Travis Kelsey, obviously who's not a, not a wide receiver. His ceiling feels like 900 to a thousand yards, maybe like six or seven touchdowns because just like you mentioned, that's a lot. There's a lot of guys in that room and including Travis Etienne, who's, you know, obviously running back his floor could be 300 yards and like two touchdowns. Um, I mean, he could after two, two years off, like it could, 
I mean, again, it's football too. He can blow out his ACL in the first play of the season, but um, we do not wish it on anybody. For oh, I obviously so. don't want that to happen, but I, his floor could be a lot lower just with like what Tyler mentioned, getting back to game speed and just with the amount of other guys in the room. But like you said, he looks good. I think he's going to be kind of somewhere between, you know, maybe like 800 yards, five touchdowns, and he could end up going to the pro bowl just as a like, kind of comeback player of the year type pro bowl thing. Okay. Uh, so based off what you're thinking, his ceiling and his floor, he's currently being drafted in the seventh round. Would you draft him there higher or lower? What, what overall wide receiver do you think that is going? I have, I, he's 63rd overall right now in ADP. I don't know what overall wide receiver that is. I think I'd be like 12. Oh, dude, picking up top 12 seems tough. Um, uh, no, I'd go, I'd go like top 20, like somewhere between the top 20 and 15 picks. Um, but I mean, it also kind of just depends on like, if you're keeping two wide receivers or if you already have one of those elite elite guys, or if you have like Cooper cup, who you know, expect to be healthy and be elite again, but, oh man, that's tough. That's a great question. No, somewhere between 20 and 15. So maybe that's like round eight, I guess, or, or like early round nine. Okay. Tyler, what about you? Seventh round earlier or later? Yeah. I, that's again, a great question. I think you look at the talent, like I mentioned, and you, he could definitely be uh higher than seventh round, you know, wide receiver pick. But as what well, the one thing that gives me pause is the fact that there are a lot of weapons there in Jacksonville. So is he going to put up those fancy type numbers that you would like to see at round seven? I do kind of agree with Alex there a bit in the sense that I feel like he's probably more of an eight, nine, just because you don't really know what you're going to get. You could go big and, you know, draft him seventh or higher, and that might work out for you. There's a good chance that could happen, but that's a risk. And it's it's a big risk just because you don't know how exactly Jacksonville is going to utilize him. So that that's a big, big question mark that you may not want to risk for fantasy. Uh, I was so wrong. I just checked it because I fact-checked myself. 23. He's wide receiver 23. Mm, not 12. Not 12. <laughs> then, yeah. Then if, if, that, if he's wide receiver 23 in the seventh, then I'd be okay with that. Okay, cool. Good to know. Yeah. And uh, that wraps up episode 152 of TLDR Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for commenting and, you know, just doing your thing. We hope you guys enjoy listening. Trading should be back next week or else I'll have more trust issues, but we'll see about that. We're going to have a great week. We hope you do too. And we'll see you next week.